Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee. And the opening bell brought to you by SEI. Imagine when cognitive computing shapes the experience you create for your investors. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business intelligence at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks lower at the open. The S&P 500 down a quarter percent or about five points to 1973. Dow Jones Industrial Average down three tenths percent or 50 points to 16,814 and the NASDAQ is down two tenths percent or eight points to forty six eighty one. The ten year Treasury down eleven thirty seconds. The yield one point eight six percent. Yield on the two year point eight five percent. Nymex crude oil down one point seven percent or fifty eight cents to thirty three eighty one a barrel. Comex gold up six tenths percent or seven dollars twenty cents to twelve thirty eight an ounce. The euro a dollar oh eight four one. The yen one fourteen point one one. Tom and Mike. Karen Bosco, thank you very much. Now, joining us now is an old friend, Kevin Hassett, who is uh, chair uh, in American politics and culture at the American Enterprise Institute, director of economic policy studies there. And this is a man who has long and deep ties to both economics and Republicans. He worked at the Federal Reserve. He was a professor of economics and finance at Columbia University, worked in the George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton administrations, and also has advised presidential candidates, including Senator John McCain. Uh, Kevin, let me be, be broad here, uh, given that we aren't quite sure who's going to end up as a Republican nominee. But since there is such a diversion, uh, a divergence of opinions about policy, what should the Republican economic policy be? If you were advising a candidate this time around, what would you say the economic policy should be for the party? You know, I, I'm just an economist, and, and, and hi, guys. It's great to be back. Uh, I'm just an economist, and so I can think about what <clears throat> is going to help the economy, uh, and it's certainly not going to be uh, reduced uh, legal immigration and uh, restrictions on trade, uh, the kind of things that uh, Mr. Trump is proposing. Uh, but, you know, we have to stipulate ex ante that, that, you know, economists may or may not know what is appealing to voters right now. I think that what Trump has done is is he's uh, noticed, uh, I think, accurately that uh, we've had this sort of weird uh, constellation of negative effects of trade uh, in over the last decade in the U.S., where competition from developing countries has led a lot of people to lose their jobs in sort of the traditional blue-collar uh, areas like manufacturing. Uh, normally, in a well-functioning economy, those people move into the service sector, uh, and then in the service sector, uh, they you know they they could even get the high salaries if uh, you know Americans <clears throat> are making money elsewhere. Right. I mean, it, okay, but but in the service sector, there's been an enormous amount of competition from illegal immigrants, uh, which has driven down the wage there. And so, and so in some sense, uh, you know, my friend Ed Connard uh, talks a lot about this, uh, also a scholar at AEI. Uh, in some sense, then, there's a double whammy uh, for people. that they, they feel like they lost their job because of trade, and then when they right. move into the service sector, they're competing with illegal immigrants there, and they get very upset about it, uh, naturally, as anyone would if, you know, their life is, uh, is right. you know, a, a separate from, you know, a prosperous society. And, and, and Trump has totally uh, you know, tapped into that, and I think an effective way. And so, so the question then becomes a challenge for economists 
so 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 how how do we how do we help those folks? Well, I think within this, Kevin, and, and the reason liberals listen to you is, is you've got an inherently optimistic streak about the American economy. <clears throat> What's come up on the show a couple of times, and one thing I would mention, really going back to Vine, Vine, uh, his, uh, Viner rather, in his 1948 paper, mm-hmm. is it's a mercantile America. And we're back mm-hmm. to a zero-sum psychology of the global economy. Can the Republican Party adapt to a mercantilist economic philosophy? Well, they shouldn't because it's wrong. I mean, I mean, Adam Smith defeated them in the 1700s, but you yeah, know, but their guys like winning seven. Yeah, but but down. Kevin, yeah. their mm-hmm. guy won seven states yesterday. I believe there's some sense of a zero sum world to the supporters of Mr. Trump. Does your party need to adapt to a zero sum world? I think that what you have to do is you have to, uh, you know, both parties, uh, I'm sure Mrs. Clinton is uh, worried about this too, that you have to come up with solutions Agreed. that can really help people with this problem. And I think that, that those solutions would include things like this, that, that historically uh, in the U.S., uh, then you, if you took a, a typical manufacturing firm in the Midwest, that there would be people from all walks of life there. There, there would be folks who grew up in the town and who are, you know, have great uh, skills in operating machines. There'd be, you know, some person who was a Harvard MBA uh, who knows how to run a business, and all these people would work together towards a prosperous enterprise that would then share the the you know, wealth of the enterprise with all of the workers. Today, it feels like you're taking the smartest folks, you're uh, lining them up one after the other at Google and Facebook, and you know, out out working on software where the only people around them are other people with you know top uh, degrees from top universities, and the folks who used to be you know, in the same building with these guys are, are you know, out of work because there's no more manufacturing job. Uh, and they then find uh, with their low, lower skill level that they're competing with lots and lots of illegal immigrants. So, so I think that, that, you know, securing the border for sure is part of it. But another thing is, is to having, having a big increase in immigration and the kind of people that could go back to helping the manufacturing firms succeed. You know, we need a lot yeah, more but, engineers I mean, Mike, and so on to, oh, to, on, to but, be force multipliers. Kevin, you sound like it's 2005. Mike, jump in here. But I was just the <laughs> rhetoric I witnessed on TV last night has nothing to do with Mr. Hassett's philosophy. Well, that's why I'm asking, Kevin, if if you could design a candidate and a an economic plan now, what would you include in it? Uh, the, everything that has been done since the, the Great Recession hasn't brought satisfaction to the people, shall we put it that way? I mean, certainly mm-hmm. maybe kept us out of a depression, but uh, people are unhappy. So what policies could you sell as effective? Well, I guess, again, the selling is something that I'm not an expert at, but but for sure, uh, you know, if we want people's wages to be higher in the U.S., then there are two sustainable ways to do it. One of them is to train them so that they have higher productivity uh, and, and, you know, investing in better schools and so on is a good call. And the second thing is to give them more capital to work with. If you have better machines to work with, your marginal product's higher, you have a higher wage. And right now, with the highest corporate tax on earth, we're chasing all the capital offshore. Now, it might not be a great populist thing. I, I hear you, Tom, that, you know, if I'm up there saying, hey, you know what, we're, we're chasing all the capital away. Uh, you know, Trump did mention this, by the way, that we need to take the trillions back to the U.S., and I would make the deal that would make that happen. But the bottom line is that we need to give people 
you know, higher product or create higher productivity if you want higher wages sustainably. And the only way really to do that in the short term for the typical 35 year old is to give them a lot more capital to work with. We need to become a tax haven, not the highest tax place on earth. Then who's your candidate? Who is your, I'm fascinated by, other than Jack Kemp, the late wonderful Jack Kemp, who's your candidate? Yeah, I don't. I don't have a candidate this time. In fact, I've, I've kind of just stayed out of the uh, presidential uh, political game uh, this time by uh, choice. Uh, but uh, but not because I don't like any of the guys, but just because I've done five of them, and it is time for me to continue to work more on economic research and so on. But that's what I've been doing. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that uh, in the end, though, uh, I think that there's a circle of life in politics that everybody goes through. I can remember a lot of my Republican friends when President Obama won. They're thinking, I'm going to move to Canada, right? That's the first thing. Everybody says that. How many times have you guys heard someone at a party say, you know, if he wins, I'm going to move to Canada? But then what happens is people don't move to Canada. And then a year or two in, the person who wins proposes something that you think is a good idea, and then you help them accomplish that, okay. and then you kind of move on, right? So the fullness of time... Okay. What you care about at the Kevin, market, I, what are they saying they're going to do? And, yep. Kevin, five seconds. Hillary Clinton is elected. Where are you moving to? Yeah, I'm, I'm staying right here in Washington, D.C. Okay, Kevin Hassett, thank you so much for the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Donald Trump says his presidential candidacy is a movement. Trump won in seven states during Super Tuesday. Ted Cruz won in three states, including his home state of Texas, while Marco Rubio chalked up his first victory of the campaign in Minnesota. Hillary Clinton also won seven states. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders won four states, including his home state. Trump's overall delegate account is at 285. Ted Cruz has 149, and Marco Rubio has 82. It takes 1,237 delegates to win the Republican nomination. Clinton has at least 1,001 delegates overall. Bernie Sanders has 373. It takes 2,383 Democratic delegates to win the party's nomination. A powerful earthquake with a preliminary magnitude of 7.9 has hit in the Indian Ocean off Indonesia, about 400 miles off the coast of Sumatra. Robert Sanders with the U.S. Geological Survey says they're not expecting it to trigger a tsunami. This is a very powerful earthquake. However, um, a magnitude 7.9 in this particular area of the world is not uncommon. This is an area stricken by a lot of large sevens, low eights. This is the same area where the magnitude 9.2 happened back in 2004. Crews in the southwestern New York State town of Ripley are working to contain a leak on an ethanol tanker that was among 16 cars on a freight train that derailed last night. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thanks so much. Coast to coast, worldwide, from Bloomberg 99.1 FM in Washington, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by the New York Chamber of Commerce. Mining agricultural opportunities abound in Nigeria. Learn about protective investments in Africa's most active markets. Thursday, March 3rd, breakfast at 8 a.m. at 20 West 44th Street. Breakfast is free.